I want to begin by addressing the imagery in this collection of sayings from Jesus. One of the challenges of contemporary Christianity is how heavily we have been shaped by persistent medieval notions of hell, sin, and salvation. Certainly stark images of God's punishment and the perpetuation of them by the church are a significant factor in the decline of Christianity. More importantly, for our sake, these medieval interpretations can hinder our efforts to understand the scriptures and the person of Jesus. A biblical scholar was asked if he believed in the devil. His response was, no, and neither should you. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that evil doesn't exist, but rather that notions of eternal punishment by the devil in hell run counter to the biblical understanding that the God of all creation desires the redemption of all creation. God hates nothing that God has made. Hell is being separated from God. That's what hell is. Hell is separation from God, not Dante's Inferno. Though there is a fabulous cartoon about a level of hell for Episcopalians that ate meat with a salad fork. It's fabulous, gotta see it. When Jesus talks about hell, he is referencing a place just outside of Jerusalem called Gehenna and using it as a metaphor. Gehenna is where human sacrifices had been held under other religions. And then it had become a dump for the waste of Jerusalem. And at this dump, there was a perpetual garbage fire. That was the unquenchable fire. Also, Jesus is not suggesting self-harm or self-mutilation, but rather that we cut away those things that separate us from God and God's love. Salt. Salt, at Jesus' time, had significant financial value. In fact, soldiers in the Roman army were sometimes paid in wages of salt instead of money. And salt taken from the Dead Sea was notorious for quickly losing its saltiness. So Jesus, or at least the writers of the Gospels, are using everyday examples that their audience would know and be familiar with as metaphors for a spiritual message. In both the Numbers and Mark readings, we see people who do not seem to have defined religious authority or who are not acting in the expected way, acting on behalf of God. Eldad and Medad, 
though registered, did not go to the tent of meeting. They did not do what was expected of them. They were not there with the elders, but rather prophesied in the camp. Moses' assistant, Joshua, implores him to stop them. And in the gospel, the disciples encounter someone who is not one of them, casting out demons in Jesus' name. Earlier in chapter 9 of Mark, the disciples had been unable to cast out a demon from a boy, and Jesus had to do it. So here is someone who isn't even one of the disciples succeeding in what the disciples could not do. There is a message here about how jealousy is one of the things that separates us from God. To be jealous is to be in hell, especially when we want to hinder the other person. Moses says to Joshua, are you jealous for my sake? Most, if not all of us, have had the experience of someone that we have a romantic interest in liking someone else. That experience can be pure hell. At least it was for me in high school and college. I don't know about you. Now attach that emotion to wanting to be favored by Moses or by Jesus. Moses and Jesus both say this is about doing God's work, not about being favored or having the proper authority. Now there is a certain irony in me, an ordained priest in a church where almost all the preaching is done by ordained and authorized ministers, pointing out that Moses and Jesus overturn people's concepts of what constitutes relig legitimate religious authority. This passage actually reminds me of an experience we had here at St. John's a couple months ago when, during the prayers of the people at the 10 a.m. service, the service was interrupted by a man who claimed to be St. Peter and who had a message to deliver to us. Perhaps some of you were here that Sunday or saw it online. Now, despite the advice of Moses and Jesus, we did, in fact, stop him, uh, in part because he went on for quite a while, uh, and also the ushers were concerned about some of his behavior as he entered the church and started moving up the aisle. It was an unsettling experience. Spontaneous sermons from the congregation are not a part of our Episcopal tradition. And in almost 25 years of parish ministry, I had never experienced something like that. That very same evening, I was making some herbal tea at bedtime. And the tag on my tea bag had this quote, sometimes a perfect blessing 
will arrive in the disguise of a mischievous intruder. Right? Like, seriously, like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I could not, I couldn't believe it. That, now, that's providential. That can't just be coincidence. Like, that is, that's providential. So I wondered, what was the perfect blessing in the disguise of this mischievous intruder? Perhaps it was a reminder that God's spirit is not channeled only through the form and formality of our worship. Perhaps it was a message that God is often most present in those things that interrupt our lives. In the readings today, it would seem that Eldad and Medad and the person casting out demons in Jesus' name are the mischievous intruders. But I think the message of the readings and of our visit from St. Peter is that it is actually Jesus Christ who is the mischievous intruder and also the perfect blessing. Again and again, Jesus breaks through and breaks down our self-made hierarchies, our judgments, our jealousies. Our society seems so driven right now by the idea that if someone isn't with us, they must be against us. So perhaps things haven't changed all that much from the time of the disciples. But what does Jesus say? Whoever is not against us is for us. So stop looking for enemies and threats and challenges and jealousies and start looking for God's grace at work in the world and people around us. Rather than seeking your own salvation, rather than seeking to be seen as righteous in the eyes of God, seek to love as God loves. Because it's not about my salvation or your salvation. It's about the redemption of all creation. If I am saved, but you're not, what have I really gained but absence? The purpose of salt is to prevent the bad and enhance the good. That is also our purpose as followers of Jesus Christ. So have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Let us open our hearts to receive Jesus, the mischievous intruder, so that we might be a perfect blessing to others in his name.